Hello, everybody. A very warm welcome to this month's episode of Sturkers and Radar Uncut, brought to you by Ping. Delighted to have you all with us for a very special episode featuring a very special guest, fresh off victory, yesterday, in fact, a Monday finish at one of the most iconic golfing venues in the world, Pebble Beach. And delighted to say Justin Rose joins us now. Justin, thank you for joining us. And many, many, many congratulations. Yeah, thanks, Radar. Thanks, Sarah. It was uh, been a while since I felt those uh, those amazing feelings there on a Sunday after. Well, actually, it was a Monday morning, I suppose. Yeah, we'll get to that too. I guess the weather was a big part of the story. But yeah, incredible to be incredible to be back in the winner's circle, and, and nice to be chatting with you guys. Listen, it's great to have you so soon after the victory as well. Yeah, as you said, and I mentioned a Monday finish. But listen, Justin, what a day later. Lots of satisfying things about that victory. Clearly, you've been playing well. You've kind of been trending in the right direction. As I said, one of the most iconic venues in the world. A while since you've been back in the winner's circle. What's the kind of standout, most satisfying thing about that victory for you? I mean, I think just, you know, the result, really. And that's, it's something that I've needed. I'll be dead honest with you. I mean, uh, you know, you can trend all you want. But, you know, at the end of the day, unless you get a result, you know, it's very hard to really grow that confidence to the place where you feel like you can really kick on. I mean, you always tell yourself a story that, you know, as a professional golfer, we unfortunately, you know, lose way more than we win. And you have to take the moral victories where you can. And I've been doing that. And I've been doing a good job of that for quite some time. But, you know, also, it's just really, really nice to get a big result to kind of validate the hard work and to kind of give yourself that that real bit of evidence, I suppose, that you are moving in the right direction and uh, all is well and you just kind of kind of keep persevering. And uh, yeah, I feel like I'm you know back on the front foot a little bit and uh, have a have a nice plan that's clearly, you know, moving me back in the right direction. Well, I really noticed it, uh, Rosie, when you said you were trending in the right direction after a decent finish at Tory. Now, did you feel as though you played well there? And you could just see this coming after a finish like you had at Tory? You know, Tory's obviously two very different tournaments for me to start the year. You know, a huge like shootout in, in Palm Springs where I shot 20 under par and finished 25th or whatever it was. And then, you know, par was a good score at Tory. You know, that's a kind of a classic golf course, you know, US Open style golf course. So two different tests, but I felt my game stood up to both tests. I was making birdies in the desert and I was also grinding out consistent scores around the tougher golf course at Tory Pines. So that kind of gave me, definitely gave me some confidence that my game was stress tested on both ends of the spectrum there and was holding up nicely. So I didn't realize it, but my caddy and my trainer, Charlie, who had been with me for, you know, the few weeks on the road, you know, the practice week and then the two tournaments, they sort of both looked at each other before Pebble and said, it's coming, you know, mm-hmm. so they they never really relayed that to me. Obviously, they don't, you know, it, and rightly so, they did brilliantly just to not heap on any expectation, but it's good to see that they could see it maybe before I could. How satisfying as well. Look, you've had clearly amazing success in your career, you know, the major win, the Ryder Cup performances, everything that you've done, but... FedEx Cup. Yeah, yeah, everything. Or American Europe. <laughs> you're, my, you're my hype man. Keep it going, Radar. <laughs> but look, Justin, you get into your, you know, you get into your 40s, you, you've had all that success, but you still... Clearly, you're hungry for more. You've been working really hard. You want more success. But how, when you have a few years, when, you know, you you haven't quite made it back into the winner's circle, how tough is it, I guess, just to keep that positivity and that belief there when it maybe hasn't happened for a couple of years and you're thinking, God, you know, when when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? I'm doing all the right things, but when's it coming? How tough is it to kind of keep those blinkers on, keep the focus and keep the belief? 
Yeah, I mean, success can soften you for sure. You know, there's less incentive to have to do it again. Um, but I was just getting really bored and frustrated and irritated with just not hitting good golf shots. You know, for me, it was not really about necessarily, you know, the, the rankings or or the, the you know, because, you know, I, I take a bit of comfort in the fact that I've done a lot of those things and ticked those boxes. But it just came down to me as a golfer, like, that's just not much fun playing like that. You know, when you remember what good golf looks like, feels like, smells like, and not being able to do it as well as you wanted to, or as well as you once could, that, that was frustrating. And there will become a point in my life and radar, you may have experienced this, you know, you're, you're older than me comes a point where it just does get harder and you've got to accept it, but I still feel fit, strong, willing, able. And that was the annoying part is I still felt hungry and I still do feel hungry, but I still really believe that I have a lot of good golf ahead of me. So it was more just, the actual quality of my golf that was bothering me. And that was the motivation because I knew that I was capable of much more and still am capable of much more. You know, I feel like I'm rolling at about six out of 10, if I'm honest, on the on what I see as the potential of the progression and, and the journey moving forward still. And I, I guess, you know, whether that's accurate or not, it's what kind of drives me and what gets me out of bed and what keeps me practicing hard. So, you know, I've always been quite a process-driven player. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm interested in. And I still feel like there's a few steps to take. You're a perfectionist. You've always been a perfectionist. But sometimes you can be too hard on yourself. We've just been through over, Justin. You've just moved from over stateside way back here. So you've had a lot of things going on in your life, which can be a big distraction. No, that's a, that's a fair point. And uh, maybe I haven't given credit to to all of those things. You know, I made some transitions. You know, kids have started school in the UK. That's probably, That whole journey almost started about four years ago, if you want to just point to sort of timings of everything. And yeah, who knows what other priorities were taking place, whether they were conscious or subconscious. So, you know, we were just chatting before maybe we started the podcast, but I'm, you know, really happy being back in the UK. Um, obviously, it's the middle of winter here. It's not that conducive to practicing and good golf. But from a stability point of view and from sort of the next stage of our lives point of view, um, you know, it's definitely for the next 10 years with the children in school and, and, and uh, doing what they need to do. This is the place that's going to be great for our family. So I need to make the golf side work. And I really think I can do that from here. So uh just got to work a bit smarter, maybe. But yeah, you're right, Radar. I think I need to maybe be, I'm not inherently very easy on myself. Just ask my caddies or easy on them. But um, yeah, maybe I'll give myself a bit of a break would be a good thing. Listen, it's also obviously massive year in terms of the Ryder Cup. I guess it's one of those things you sort of think, look, if I play well, it's going to take care of itself, isn't it? But now you have this victory at the start of the year. You've set yourself up perfectly for 2023. What Ryder Cup thoughts have crossed your mind? Up until this point, I've had to be a little selfish in the sense of not putting it front of my mind. I think that was only going to make it more difficult for me. I've had to make some few tricky decisions. I'd love to have been a part of the Hero Cup earlier in the year in the Middle East, but really felt like that was going to hamper my progression into the start of the season in terms of travel and, and you know playing the events I wanted to play to get my season up and running. So you know, I've had to put myself first a little bit from that point of view with the long game in mind or with the, you know, with the, with the end in mind of obviously playing my way onto the team or at least being considered for the team and playing well enough to be a part of that team. Because there's one thing, just being on the Ryder Cup team, you've got to be on the team and deliver some points. So that's kind of where my mindset has been. And I, I know there's some sort of steps that I need to take to get to that point in October. We need uh, the Ryder Cup team. One person who's going to be as happy as you is your good friend, Luke Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, listen, yeah, Luke... Um, 
we've stayed in constant communication. I think he's got a nice footing under the table at the minute. You know, I think he's uh, he's building his relationships with the wider team and doing a great job. And obviously, yeah, he stayed close to me in terms of just communication about what my plans are. And um, yeah, he was one of the first people to send me a message, obviously, after Monday morning. So that, that was great to see. And I, I very much appreciated that. When you look at the team as well, Justin, without getting too much into, it, I guess at this point, because it's still early in the year, but obviously we have, you know, some incredible players, but you do look at it potentially as a bit of a changing of the guard and potentially quite a few youngsters on the team. How much would you relish that opportunity to come into the team this year yet yeah, as an experienced guy and, and have that, I guess, that ability to not just do your thing on the golf course, but take that leadership role in the team room? Yeah, I mean, I think any great team has to have that mix. I think that you do need some youngsters coming through. You need those kids that are willing to sort of step up there and, and make a name for themselves and, you know, have that fresh firepower. But then also the mix of some experience, if you just need to glue a couple of pairings together or just need a couple of calm heads in certain situations, I think that that's what's going to make a great team. And, you know, that's obviously the blend that Europe are looking to find now. Like you say, there are going to be some new names in and around the mix. And uh, that process probably starts with three or four months to go before the Ryder Cup, just you know, relationships do start to get formed and bonds start to get made even in that run up into the event. But blend is what we're looking for. So yeah, you do need guys, a couple of guys, maybe not, you know, you don't need too many of us in our, you know, at the back end. I think, I think we, we should actually earn more towards uh, the young firepower and then just have, you know, some safe pairs of hands there just to guide them through it as well. Nice. Look, listen, Justin, I don't want this to make, this is about sort of getting you on the podcast and about the victory and obviously your stage in your career. You, you did make a couple of comments to the press. Obviously, you talked about the victory and I guess for you, the importance of major championships as it referred to potentially, you know, some considerations regarding a move to live maybe over the last four or five years or so, or the discussions that have taken place. Just a little word on that on the podcast, if you can. What kind of your thought process when all this has been kicking off and we've all talked about it to death, let's be honest, it's been such a massive talking point in the world of golf. At the forefront of your mind, what were the main considerations for you with this new opportunity, but knowing everything you have achieved and everything you still want to achieve in the game? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I certainly did not bring up live in my press conference. It was clearly, you know, questions that just do come up you know it's golf's version of covid you can't get through a day without that word coming up so a lot of my friends have made the switch right and i think um you know a lot of guys towards the back end of their career and the guys that have looked for some fresh opportunity and i think what we've also got to recognize is that this hasn't just happened overnight it's not just because the saudis have come in and thrown a bunch of money at it the concept has been around for six seven years there's elements to the concept that are incredibly exciting or could be exciting and in and around the concept, if all of the top players decided to do it, it was something that had a lot of validity to it. Obviously, as it sort of came to fruition, it came to fruition quite quickly. And, you know, I think they've actually done a decent job of getting a lot of momentum, actually, you know, in, in the last year or so, to be fair to them. But it wasn't a situation where all the top players crossed the threshold at the same time. And there were a ton of unanswered questions. And for me, the one being access to major championships, and that for me has ultimately been my gold standard. And when I was a kid, that's what I would sit in my, sit on the putting green in the evenings, holding the putt to win the open or finding my reflection in the mirror, you know, in the window outside, you know, posing my, uh, my finish, practicing my shot into the 18th of Augusta. You know, that's what I kind of grew up doing as a kid. So I felt like I had to honor that journey for myself, you know, and um, without access to that, it was kind of became a bit of a, uh, a null and void, I suppose. And it's amazing what a win can do, Justin. Just a win at Pebble Beach just last week. An injection to you, like you feel, you must be feeling so fresh. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, what I've just talked about, I'm not, I wasn't in the majors. I wasn't in the Masters. So I'm talking about not going to play live, but because I want to play in the majors, I wasn't even in them at the moment. I've put a lot of sort of faith in myself to get back playing to a level where, you know, really my goals in the sport at the moment are to play in the majors and feel like my game is good enough that if I turn up at a major and I play well, I've got a chance to win. You know, that that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that two or three or four moments left in my career where I can really go out and do something incredible and cool and really add to, to you know, what's obviously been a, a good career and, and, you know, looking to see if I can do something special, I suppose, in the moments that are going to be created in the next two or three or four years. So I just want to give myself access to that and that opportunity. And last week was a, a massive step forward in terms of being able to achieve and realize that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Stay fit. You know, you can play to 50 now. Phil proved that, didn't he? Yeah, unbelievable. Obviously, winning the PGA, no doubt. I mean, he embarked on obviously some some different sort of mental strategies. He was hitting the ball a long way and he worked on his fitness. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. He proved he proved it. It was pretty cool. Listen, Justin, we haven't got much time. I know you're you're running off. You've got a you've got <laughs> you've got a lot of media who want to chat to you, but I do just want to very quickly ask you because it's something that I feel very passionate about, obviously, women's golf. And I played at Brockett Hall in your event uh, last summer, which I loved. And, you know, you and Kate have done an amazing job with that. And I think for me, Justin, it's been amazing to see a top male pro really support the women's game. Just give us an update on that. And, and I guess the how proud do you feel of what you've done and what you've achieved and what opportunities you have given some of these female pros? Yeah, well, you know, it all came about quickly and organically. And it came about because... The PJ Tour got up and running after COVID. You see, I knew we couldn't get through this without saying that word. But um, we were three months out away from professional golf and suddenly we were back to work. You know, that back to work phrase is is a phrase that was coined as well. And, you know, as a professional sportsman or woman, it's not about just turning the laptop on and you're back to work. You know, there's a skill set that needs to be honed and taken care of. In order to do that, you need a scorecard in your hand. So I was very aware that the, you know, the LET you know, schedule especially had been decimated and the opportunity just to play in anything really wasn't there. So, you know, Liz Young had the great idea of, you know, getting a few girls together and, you know, trying to get a pot of money just to stay fresh and sharp. So we kind of piggybacked on that idea with her and kind of grew it into a little, a little mini series. So the idea around it was just a, a bit of a stopgap. And the reason it's been successful is because of the enthusiasm from the ladies themselves. You know, their, their willingness to play and compete to be a part of this series was unbelievable. You know, you can give people the opportunity, but if they don't want it, it's obviously going to fall flat on its face. So even though it's looked great on us, I give them a ton of credit for actually having the enthusiasm and that sort of determination to want to improve as players and, and really support the, the events and obviously play in them. But it's, it has enough momentum behind it now where it's challenging us to to think what else can we do? What else is needed? How can we grow it? Should we grow it? Is it our place to grow it? So, you know, there's a lot of kind of organic kind of questions that have been thrown up and, uh, you know, we're we're throwing around a few options at the moment. Obviously, we did take it to the next level with an LET Access Series event at Brockett Hall, which was fantastic. And, um, you know, give a lot of credit to the team at Excel and Paul Mack and uh, Sonia, who really run it for us, for me and Kate, and they they make us look fantastic. So 
huge lot of credit to them. But we might look to take it take another step forward going. But, you know, I think one thing that's important is we don't want to be part of the status quo. Like if we do do something, we want to kind of push the boundaries for the ladies game and, uh, you know, kind of work towards, you know, upping the levels and closing the gap between between the two tours for sure. But do you feel a responsibility as a top male athlete, Justin? Do you kind of feel that responsibility given what what you've done in the game and I guess maybe the disparity between the, the male and the female sport? I mean, I don't know if I feel a responsibility, but I do feel, you know, I have a son and I have a daughter. So you just bring it into your household, you know, you think, well, you know, I, I clearly I want the same opportunity for both of them. So if there's an apparent gap somewhere, obviously it, it makes sense to try, try to step in and fill that. And I think that's when, you know, if you're, if you're a little boy on the putting green holding a putt to, to win the Open, or if you're a little girl on the putting green pretending to hold a putt to win the Open, those dreams mean the same to you. You know, whether you're playing for whatever prize money, you know, the dreams are the same and therefore the opportunity should be the same. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the way I rationalise it. Well said. Yeah, it's, look, it's, it's, it's important. And as I said, up from a female sort of working in the sport, I think, you know, we, we cover it on Sky, as you know, Justin, a lot. And I think it's it's been terrific. So I think there is some momentum. Would, would you say that's fair, Sarah? There does seem to be some positive momentum around the ladies game. I mean, still lagging, clearly, but we're going to, you know, would you say that's a fair? Absolutely. And look, I think we look at the LPJ Tour and you look at some of the names and you look at some of the stars and some of our homegrown talent. You look at some of the recent success and, you know, you look at what Georgia Hall's done, Charlie Hull. You look at the Solheim Cup. And I think for me, I just, you know, a female working in golf, I just love to see the momentum. I think it's been amazing, but I, I don't think you can underestimate what someone like a name like you, a top male pro, the impact that you can have, I think, has been massively significant. And I don't think you can underestimate that, honestly. And I think, you know, the more top male pros we can get, I mean, you see it in other sports, but the more you can get behind the women's game and just profile it, you know, show what the women can do, just be a big fan, really, if you like, be a big advocate for the women's game. I just think it's fantastic. And we need more of the guys, I think, to do it. I think you're seeing a little bit more of that now. But the more you guys can do in your position, I think is just incredible. So hats off to you. And like you said, hats off to your well, team as well. Yeah, that's good to hear and uh, keeps us motivated to do it. So thank you. It does. And, and I tell you, I, I'm such an idiot. I forgot Olympic champion. <laughs> I, nearly, I nearly fired you as my hype man. But you just saved yourself. Listen, Justin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really yeah. appreciate you coming on fresh off the victory at Pebble Beach. It was a joy to watch. We all delighted you back in the winner's circle and we're all very excited, as you are, about what's in store for the rest of 2023. I think it's going to be a very special year for you. So uh, well done, you. Thanks, guys. Let's do it again soon then. Really, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Good on you. Cheers, Radar. Thanks, mate. We'll see you soon. Fantastic to have Justin with us. Always a class at Radar. Always gives plenty of time when he talks to the media. And we really appreciate him coming on. Yeah, just straight after his victory. Interesting comments about Liv, obviously. Interesting comments about the Rose Ladies series. And I think, first and foremost, just good to see a guy of that quality back in the winner's circle. But he's a great role model for the game of golf, isn't he? He certainly is. Yeah, for English golf. I remember him being a little 15-year-old kid running around down there at North Hansett in Fleet, uh, a fine golf course not far from where I live here. And it's like, you know, he was always very, very good. And then to get off to that awful start, over 20 cuts missed, and to be that resilient and to come back and be world number one, a major champion, a FedEx Cup player, all the things that I said he's done, yeah, he's absolutely sensational. And if you are a young um, budding boy or girl and you want to make ways in the game, go and watch the way he does it, mate. He's so meticulous. No stone is left unturned with Justin Rose.
Yeah, he's a he's a top professional. So uh, fantastic to see him. Pebble Beach, hey, picking up a win at Pebble Beach. I mean, watching those. Pe- I mean, I know they had a bit of bad weather, but it's some place, isn't it? Yeah, some place. The marine layer it comes in there. I've been there three times, and you know you don't usually count them in times you go to a place. But I've been to two of those and a U.S. Open. Very special. I remember one time covering it at Sky, and I think someone we had bets on how many times we could all get marine layer in the broadcast for the entire week, and I think it was in the thirties <laughs> for one day. Uh, yeah, fog as people kept tweeting, and it's fog, but in the states you have to call it a marine layer. Anyway, up the top there in Carmel. Film a lot of the the, the thing when Nicole Kidman and, Mer- Kid- uh, Kidman and Meryl Street around there called, is it Dirty Little Lies? Um, Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. And they do it all around there. And if you've ever, if it, everyone, if you've ever never been there, go up to Carmel and it's just, it's like a, a, a little, it's, it's almost fake, isn't it? It's so beautiful. It's beautiful and stunning. I like the way, I love big little lies. I like the way you shows how your mind is in the gutter. Dirty little lies. <laughs> but take the checkbook with you because if you want a muffin, it'll cost you thirty eight thousand dollars. <laughs> He's right. He's right, boys and girls, ladies and gents. It absolutely will. Um, Phoenix this week. I'm in the studio at Sky Radar. I mean, you again back in the studio. So you kind of miss out on the hoopla. That place is nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely mad. 270,000 I've been there uh, working and uh, on Saturday. Uh, most of the people aren't there for the golf. They are there for, um, you know, everything else. And it's just, uh, it's a party. It, it really is a, a serious party. They get 700,000 people going through there in the week, over. And, uh, you know, you, you, you all think, how can you get 280,000 on a golf course? And I've been out there, and they could actually on that golf course. You've been there, Sarah. You could get twice as many. I couldn't believe. So the I was one event. I was kind of I hadn't done it. Been at Sky a few years, hadn't done it. And then I, I, I think I've only done it once. It was not the year before COVID, so it was the start of twenty twenty. I really wanted to see it, and then having done it, I was like, "Geez, never again." Yeah. No. Those you wanted to, you know, for a hens party or a, a bucks party, a stag do, you know, go and do it. But you will, you probably won't go back. But just to see it and see what it's like, it it truly is. Um, it's raucous. There is no when someone is putty in a big amphitheater with fifteen or twenty thousand around the green. There's none of this quiet place. I mean, it's just they just keep talking. It's just it's a bizarre place. It's, the etiquette of the game is thrown out the window. But it's a magnificent event. The waste management, they call it. They don't call it the Phoenix Open anymore, but it is the waste management, Phoenix Open, but more waste management. And they just, you know, control waste, so all your rubbish and all that sort of stuff. It's... They track a lot of rubbish, <laughs> I tell you that. But they've got a field. Rory McIlroy's there. They're all there. This this where Justin's not playing, doesn't fit into his schedule. Uh, so he's going back to, Fina, to um, Riviera. And then another week off, and then we get into Arnold Palmer and the Players' Championship, and that's when we're really into the, the nitty-gritty of the tour. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's uh, yeah, you're right. Quality feel. The, the, the wasted management open would be more applicable. It is like a giant frat party on steroids. It is nuts, but it is a cracking watch. So um, yeah, you join us for that on Sky Sports Golf this week because it is that loud and it is raucous. Uh, good stuff. Thank you all for listening. Uh, a special episode of Stokers and Radar Uncut featuring uh, Justin Rose. Thanks again to Justin Radar. It's been a pleasure. Well, a lot of play. And before you go, this new ping driver. Hey, get in the queue because everyone's using it. It makes a new noise, more of a thump. It goes further than any other driver. So get with the program. Play your best. Exactly. A big thanks for listening to this latest episode of Sturkers and Radar and Cut, brought to you by Ping. We'll see you next time. This has been a Monkey Pants Productions podcast.